Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity.
Legacy of 1804. I am your host, Alice Backer. Today's date is January 1st, 2018. We are now into the new year. And tonight we want to review 2017 into 2018. I'm going to be joined momentarily by Uji Lau. We're going to be discussing um, specifically that. I just want to remind everyone that the theme song which opens each show is One Notre from the album Blues and Red, courtesy of Bouillon Ambroise and the Blues and Red Band. And here at Love 1804, we amplify Haitian voices live on air every Friday night, and that is just the audio version of what we have been doing online at kisscastity.com since 2005. Also, we are on Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram, so you can find Kisscastity there too. If you enjoyed tonight's show and find it constructive, please share it to your Facebook and your Twitter. You can also embed the player on your site after the show is over tonight. To see what Haitian bloggers from the world over are saying, go to at Haitian bloggers on Twitter and the Facebook page titled Haitian bloggers. If you want to, um, you can listen to past shows on iTunes by searching the keyword legacy of 1804. And past shows are also available under the LOF1804 tab at kisscaacity.com. Some of you are listening online and others are listening on the phone at 714-242-6119. Again, 714-242-6119. That is the number to call in. Uh, when you decide to participate. Next week, we are trying to talk about the film 1804 by uh, African-American filmmaker Tariq Nasheed. That is what we are trying to do next week. We hope you can tune in. Uh, at this point, I'm waiting for my co-host, Uggiel. I think we can go to a musical break while I try to get him on the air. All right, and it looks like uh, Ujilov from uh, Florida 
is on the air with us. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Alice. Greetings, listeners of Legacy of 1804. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you just fine. Welcome. And of course, I'm Alice Backer, live from Brooklyn, and uh, my co-host tonight is Hugues Girard, live from Florida. So we're uh, patching together two important parts of the Haitian diaspora in the United States, in New York, and in Florida. So um, this is a momentous occasion. We're going to try to look at 2017 into 2018. We're going to try to tease what we think were the most important moments of 2017 and try to look at what that's going to mean for 2018. We're going to alternate, Ugh, and hope that we don't um, step on each other's toes. I'm sure we'll have some of the same moments. Um, but I want to, of course, welcome you to the show. And of course, I want to wish our listeners a wonderful 2018. Um, why don't you start? Uh, yes. Number one. Uh, once again, uh, greetings and happy New Year's to all the listeners of uh, 1804, and happy New Year's to you, Alice. Um, I don't know if we've spoken since uh, the beginning of the New Year. Uh, it just so happened that today, the fifth, is the one-year anniversary of what many called a momentous occasion in Haiti. It was exactly one year today that one Guy Philippe was uh, put in handcuffs by the Haitian National Police and handed over to the DEA, which uh, uh, properly put him on a plane and whisked him off to um, Miami. Uh, as uh, you know, Mr. Guy Philippe, uh, when he was arrested, he had just been elected uh, to the Haitian Parliament as a senator from the Gondas Department, except he was in between occasions. Uh, he had been just been elected, but he hadn't been sworn in just yet. So the argument is that um, he did not have that most precious parliamentary immunity that uh, many believe he had been seeking by running for our public office. And so he was uh, taken away just in time. Um, and that was, uh, well, very busy time in, in, in photo prints. Remember, the media was all abuzz when uh, this happened a year ago. Um, and uh, since then, he has appeared in um, federal court in South Miami, in South uh, um, Florida. And uh, before he could be tried, Mr. Philippe essentially uh, pleaded guilty. Uh, supposedly, after hearing his own voice, uh, basically admitting to several of the uh, charges levied against him when he was uh, first presented uh, in front of a judge in Miami. And uh, we believe he's been uh, he's been uh, basically convicted and. Uh, um, to nine years in jail in, in uh, Miami for money laundering and uh, um, trafficking and drug trafficking. Uh, following his arrest, of course, several uh, uh, senators wanted to show solidarity with him, um, wrote 
a resolution uh, protesting the arrest of a senator, um, which the many in the Haitian Senate felt or was uh, illegal, and they felt that as a Haitian citizen, he probably should not have been handed to a foreign power, oblivious to uh, basically several such agreements signed between the United States and Haiti, um, going back to 1905, and the most recent of which would have been uh, during the second term, the first term of uh, President René Preval. Do you want to take it from here for the next event, unless you want to elaborate on this one? Elaborate some more on this one. Well, what I want to add about this one is that, you know, we thought it was momentous, and it, obviously it was a big to-do, it was a big event, but what does it mean for 2018? Does this moment carry significance into 2018? That, uh, that's an excellent question. Well, uh, let me put it to you this way. Uh, right now, in the Haitian parliament, there is tractation, mm. negotiations going on to extend uh, extend the mandate of some 10 um, Haitian senators. And it's a weird thing because we were supposed to, uh, Haitian, uh, the Haitian parliament runs on a two-tier system. You have first, second, and third uh, um, senators. And, um, and they are elected for six-year terms, but uh, every two years a new group comes in to keep uh, uh, the whole system rolling without uh, um, losing, without uh, basically getting in the way of uh, the business of the state, because they are uh, term limited, essentially, they're limited to two terms. So it's always good to have a, a, new, a new senator coming in. And uh, there are senators uh, uh, whose terms have are coming to an end and who should have gone through elections this past year. And strangely, uh, the government of La Fontaine, um, Moise, didn't see, fit, didn't see it fit to organize election this year. So now there is negotiation among the senators themselves to basically extend the mandate of uh, some of these 10 uh, senators who should have gone through another cycle of, of elections. Um, and they want to extend their um, mandate for, I think, through 2019. And among those who should have, whose mandates will be extended are some who have been rumored to be under the watchful eye of that same agency that picked up Mr. Guy Philippe. So that's uh, one line we can draw there. And um, for now, just speculate as to what might have been the motivations to just extend these terms right before the next presidential cycle, uh, to right before the next presidential cycle in Haiti, to extend the mandate of the senators. So that's one uh, 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 possible consequence, one impact for 2018. Well, thank you for that, Ug. And I want to segue into moment number two, and that is going to be uh, the UN's announcement 
MINUSA's announcement that it would withdraw its troops and um, revert or modify its mission into uh, what it has called MINUJUST. And we know that the handover has happened, but has that really translated into a withdrawal of troops? Um, we, we also know that that was what led, well, partially what led to that announcement was the uh, admission in the mainstream media of something that had been known for a long time in the Haitian media and that, uh, well, yes, and, and in the Haitian alternative media, and that is that uh, there was rampant uh, sexual abuse of children taking place and just sexual abuse of Haitians taking place at the hands of the um, uh, Casque Bleu. So um, my question to you, Hugues, about this moment is what has actually transpired on the ground? And has that troop withdrawal been significant or was it just cosmetic? Uh, it's been significant in that uh, um, the different uh, uh, camps, the different contributors from from from, from various uh, nationalities are, are not as much in the news as before. Instead of hearing about what the Chilean or the Argentinian or the Brazilian troops are doing in various parts of the country, uh, we hear even less and less about itself. Um, not too long ago, the mini juice had uh, uh, announced a new program uh, to work with uh, the judiciary in Haiti uh, in training judges in um, presenting a program to the government to review their salary scale, et cetera, et cetera, supposedly to fight corruption. So now the Minijus is going to help the Haitian judiciary fight corruption uh, over crowding in jail uh, and so on and so forth. But uh, they have kept a very low profile so far as we can tell since um, the last coming out of the American uh, head of uh, Minijus, who stated to the press following uh, Jovenel Moise's statement that uh, he is all about fighting corruption and he's the only one who can actually do it. So she uh, did come out and uh, uh, say that uh, they wait they're waiting with abated breath. They're waiting to see what, if anything, this, the current administration is going to do about corruption uh, in Haiti. And of course, they are there to help in any capacity. All we have to do is ask. Other than that, not well, that's much all, else. That's all, well, well all, that, that's all very interesting. And I think the other thing that's interesting about that is that one thing this uh, alleged troop withdrawal has actually been successful at is um, the chatter about the UN has kind of stopped, hasn't it? Pretty much. Right? Pretty I mean, much. The, there was, I, I would say that for a good uh, three quarter of that year, we heard of the UN being, you know, the, the, that UN and Haiti story was really hot. Um, and then it, uh, it, it's pretty much disappeared. So to the degree that, uh, you know, so we have to kind well, of be careful and make sure that we continue following despite the fact that um, they've succeeded in getting the story out of the news. 
Uh, I have to point out that in New York, at UN headquarters in New York and uh, around the UN headquarters, there are several media people who are keeping the UN Haiti uh, cycle uh, alive in the news, particularly the promise uh, made by the UN to Haitians to uh, uh, um, make do to help cure uh, the cholera that they brought to pay compensation to victims and uh, remember they had promised 400 million dollars and uh, but none of which materialized and that talk is still going on um, in New York also I couldn't pass up the opportunity to remind uh, our listeners that our good friend Ezeli uh, Dator still has a petition running on the internet for, uh, for, for us to sign and demand that the UN make do on that very promise to make uh, Haitians whole again in terms of cholera. Not that they ever could when you consider that 30,000 plus, the last numbers I saw were closer to 40,000 um, Haitians who had died uh, as a direct consequence of cholera brought by, by the UN. Um, so that's uh, uh, one way to keep in mind that uh, um, it, the UN in Haiti profile is not as high as it was in the past, but it, it is not completely out of the news. They're keeping a look out in Haiti, but outside of Haiti, the talk is still very much on people's mind. So uh, there are people out there determined to see to it that the UN uh, uh, fulfill its promise. All right. All right. So moving right along to moment number three, what do you have for us, Uke? Ah, moment number three. Well, um, let's see here. Should we follow a linear sequence or just hit or just highlights uh, events? Let's highlight events because I don't even know that we were linear in, in our first two. So, yeah, right. let's just okay. throw out the moments that um, we have. Well, uh, we can't uh, um, forget the um, we can't forget uh, the election of Donald Trump coming onto the scene. Um, well, that was 2016. Uh, as we waited basically all of 2017 for him to send a clear message uh, um, as to what his policy toward Haiti would be. And basically nothing really materialized in that sense. Um, strangely enough, uh, Kenneth Martin, for all practical purposes, is still the appointment uh, 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 um, on Haiti for the State Department in spite of the nomination of a new American ambassador who has uh, uh, also been keeping a very low profile in Haiti, making very few, if any, statements at all so far. Uh, oh, I had something good here that I can't seem to remember right now. The economy seems so, to have dominated. So, so, right? so essentially, moment number three would be the the Trump uh, the Trump election and uh, translating into basically a continuation of the Clinton policy vis-a-vis -vis Haiti. As much noise as we as as, as people made uh, about it, as high as the expectations were. Uh, not much seems to have changed. That is correct. All right. All right. Um, 
Well, I'm going to segue into moment number four, which was uh, Kenneth Merton's uh, essentially the the tepid reception that Kenneth Merton received right here in Brooklyn um, at uh, Brooklyn College when he came to visit on a seeming uh, PR mission for himself and potentially the Clinton legacy. Um, and I think that moment ties into moment number three because that's also, because we we couldn't know back then that the, the, that the Kenneth Merton legacy would be continuing at the State Department. And in, in very many ways, this may have been his way of saying, uh, listen, I'm here to stay. Um, uh, or not. I mean, it could have been purely coincidental, uh, but he's the one who came. And um, yeah, and and he came, I, you know, I, I believe it was in March or thereabouts. It was in March or April of 2017. Um, and I think that was, it was kind of a big moment because it was an attempt to speak to the Haitian diaspora, and it was also, we were seeing the beginnings of trying to maybe establish the new Haitian Studies Center at um, Brooklyn College as kind of a mouthpiece sympathetic to that old politics. Um, and again, um, after that moment, you know, into 2018, we saw essentially both of these entities become much less controversial. In other words, Kenneth Merton's quietly still at the State Department, but without much fanfare. And then, um, and then the Haitian Studies Institute is quite low; has been quite low key since, even though, of course, they've had several other events. I don't know if you've. Um, if you have any other insights there on this point. Repeat the last line for me, please. Oh, I, I don't know if you have any anything to add on this point. Not really. Um, hmm. Uh, let's see here. Before I launch into all of Jovenel Moise's um, promises to Haiti, basically he hasn't stopped campaigning uh, uh, since he came into power in February uh, 2017. Um, he, we have been promised, uh, uh, what, what did he promise? He's made so many promises to Haiti, it's hard to keep up. Um, he promised uh, electricity 24 or 7, just like Mr. Lamotte did. Um, and he promised that there would be electricity in Haiti in 24 months. Uh, and of course, people are counting down, uh, they're watching him very closely. We're down now to, uh, to 18 months. Uh, very little progress. People are pointing out that uh, uh, there are electricity kits that have been handed out uh, in the far countryside around Damari that there are some small private electric uh, utility companies that have opened up in Jean Abel uh, around Port de Paix. Um, but as far as a state spearheaded national program 
We're still waiting to hear more about that. Generally speaking, the Haitian economy, I mean, that could explain why there are so many promises because uh, the Haitian economy has, uh, has been in the news a lot. Um, because throughout the year, uh, we didn't see as many uh, um, demonstrations as we had expected, especially uh, after Maurice Jean-Charles uh, fell ill and had to be evacuated uh, out of the country uh, uh, to Cuba. Uh, well, however, that's probably because uh, the people uh, pretty much gave up because um, they were so weak. Um, the things we're reading about the Haitian economy in general could explain uh, um, why there were some events that were basically described as smokescreen um, because the government has no plan. Uh, Jovenel so far spent the year in a lot of money going around Haiti with his caravan where he has, uh, you know, tractor trailers and backhoe loaders and all kinds of heavy equipment following him around the country supposedly. Uh, to help uh, various agricultural projects and build roads, etc. Uh, 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 but that endeavor is, has cost a lot of money just to show, uh, um, just to make it look like uh, the president is busy doing things when in actuality um, the results are not there. And so um, Uh, several economists have pointed out that there has been no economic growth uh, in Haiti, uh, that uh, the uh, um, Haiti's national growth product uh, for the year before that was a mere 1%. It grew at the 1%, whereas Haiti needs about 7% uh, just to um, to get out of some of uh, some classifications, some where it's been placed behind in everything, or last, or 147 out of 143 in so many indexes. Um, apparently, Haiti has some budget of 1.9 billion goods um, for 2017, as reported by the bank. And the taxes that were expected just didn't didn't materialize. Um, the budget that was presented depended on things like selling Haitian bonds to the diaspora, um, and which we can't imagine any lucid diaspora doing, buying bonds from, from, from Jovenel and Mickey's party, basically. Uh, and so the, they're very short. Uh, also, financing the debt uh, Haiti had to pay something like four point, uh, what, something like 6.6 .6 billion goods just to service the debt. And this was before the government expenses uh, for the end of the year. And what this means, usually the, you know, the government puts on a lot of shows. Government officials travel a lot. They give year-end bonuses to all public employees. Uh, and that, those expenses are generally outside of the budget. So um, this 
generally at this time of the year, the Haitian money, the good, uh, um, tends to fare better because you work, there's an influx of, of foreign currency into the country, uh, the diaspora, et cetera, going back for uh, year and uh, um, festivities, year and holidays. And uh, that did not seem to make a big difference this year. So, and also the National Bank had promised to inject US dollars into the economy because the good throughout the year uh, kept losing its value. And the four million, four, was it 40 million US dollars promised by the National Bank didn't materialize. So also they were supposed to get an extended credit program from the uh, International Monetary Fund and that government didn't act on it either. Last time they signed something with the IMF was 2015 and that program ended in November 2016. So um, the government keep basically digging the hole deeper. Um, also toward the end of the year, we saw a new uh, report coming out from Forbes magazine and uh, without any surprise, Haiti was uh, ranked 141 out of 143 uh, um, countries in the best country for business sections, 151 out of 153, uh, which, uh, and of course Haiti got the worst score in the region, whereas countries like Chile, where Haitians are flooding, uh, are, are fleeing to, was ranked 33. Uh, that's the best in Latin America and in the Caribbean. Uh, followed by Costa Rica, 45th, Panama, 64, Jamaica, 72, and Dominican Republic, 93. Um, also, Haiti ranked 152 in the category of, uh, uh, you know, bureaucratic slowness, how difficult it is to get business off the ground and paperwork and so on and so forth, as well as uh, the protection of, of investment. And we can touch on that um, in a minute. Um, also, the corruption issue never went away. Um, I want to take this point about protecting investors um, and corruption to launch into Jovenel Moise's recent trip to uh, Paris, which was also a big event. Um, do you want to segue into that or do you want to touch on, some, on something else first? No, let's make uh, Jovenel Moïse trip to Paris, which received lots of attention indeed uh, on social media, the moment number six. Uh, okay. Now, we know that part of why the trip was received so much attention is that people thought that, you know, he was, he did not, people thought that he was not particularly elegant during the trip, that he didn't hold himself like um you know with the dignity that a head of state should have that he he seemed his body language towards uh the french president was too submissive but it, more broadly what is the significance of that trip for uh france french policy vis-a-vis -vis haiti well as you know um it's 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 that's an old one. It's the, the language issue. 
because uh, more now more than ever, Haitians are really pushing to put Creole where it belongs. And if Creole gains on the ground, uh, uh, the French's apprehension is that their language will be less relevant in Haiti. Therefore, they will have less clout. So um, <laughs> one of the many statements we, we've heard over the years, uh, for example, was that France would, uh, France still does finance rather a good chunk of uh, Haitian uh, education, especially at the university level. They give scholarships, etc., to uh, students of the more bond uh, um, Haitian State University. Uh, and uh, uh, France's idea, as stated by the uh, current ambassador, um, was that uh, uh, one way we can reform um, education in Haiti is to have better French teachers, <laughs> preferably from France. Um, so that was uh, um, one aspect of it. But it turns out that France is actually not act on as an active uh, a, a partner or, or actor on the Haitian scene as um, of all countries, Spain. Spain apparently is, is more active than France. We'll, we'll come back to that uh, in, in, a, in a moment. The question was, what was, uh, why the trip? Um, we touched on this last week when we said uh, basically when Trump abandoned America's leadership on uh, climate change. Macron, the newly elected French um, president, jumped on, on it and uh, took the leadership and quickly organized uh, an event in Paris that is supposed to touch on climate change and how it affects the Caribbean uh, islands, not just Caribbean, but islands in general uh, specifically. And so Jovenel uh, uh, took that opportunity to hop on a plane and uh, accompanied by Haitian businessmen to go to France um, to participate, to find out what uh, uh, what the program is for, for the island, since uh, he's a head of state from an island. So that was uh, his plan. Um, and uh, we referenced the Ford magazine earlier that um, mentioned uh, uh, um, corruption and insecurity for foreign investors. Investors, um, uh, Haitians, uh, excuse me, Jovenel had traveled, as we said, with 12 uh, Haitian business executives looking for French partners, looking for other businessmen to, to come into Haiti either uh, with no ideas or as partners to people already established in the country. Um, but one of Jovenel's uh, many faux pas, besides uh, his whole body language not looking very stately at all, not looking, and him not acting statesman-like during the trip, is uh, 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 um, the faux pas that he made when he finally met with the Haitian diaspora in Paris and proceeded to talk about the issue of corruption in Haiti. And um, as we know, uh, Jovenel himself has uh, 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 accusation of corruption attached to him that he can't shake. So when he told the di Haitian diaspora in Paris that he had been sent a list of judges that he has to name into the judiciary, to the Haitian judiciary, and that uh, um, 50 of them were uh, rumored to be corrupt. So here he is in a foreign country trying to um, drum up business 
and he's telling people that he just nominated 50 corrupt judges and that he, he was forced to name these 50 corrupt judges. So these, this raised all kinds of questions. You know, if, if, as an, if I were an, uh, an investor, uh, I would think twice before going into a country where the president just told me he was forced to name 50 corrupt judges. Um, you know, I, I would wonder about the security of, uh, of my investment. I would wonder uh, where all, what are my chances of, of getting uh, fair justice in a country like that should I run into legal trouble. So people felt that uh, Jovenel undercut himself. And that seems to be a pattern with, with uh, um, this party, with this uh, um, Ted Kali party. Um, we could see many instances where Martelli used to do the same thing. He would talk about wonderful programs that he wanted to see in the country, and then he would go and create some kind of crazy blunder that undermines the very point that he was trying to make. So this was one, one, one such event uh, on Jovenel's part. Um, also, the issue of security um, in the country. Um, that same Forbes report that we pointed out, that, that we mentioned, um, said that uh, Haiti is ranked very low um, on security as well. Uh, something like Uh, let's see, security, we said uh, in terms of uh, slow bureaucracy to get businesses going, um, Haiti was uh, ranked 152 out of 153, for corruption, one for 43 out of 153, and 136 for um, innovation. In other words, um, they're not doing new things. And uh, we have similar numbers in terms of security. We, we especially this past week during the holidays where you have a lot of people from overseas and, and locals going about, the, you know, preparing for the holidays, shopping, et cetera. We've, we've seen reports on the net of, of, of several violent crimes, uh, all related to everyday security. So um, this was a, by many estimations, a disastrous trip for Jovenel in 2017, particularly with the statement about being forced to name 50 corrupt judges. Before he went back to Haiti, again, the judiciary was uh, on its feet waiting for him, uh, wanting to know, number one, uh, who are those 50 corrupt judges that he was forced to, 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 to name into the system? And number two, who forced him as a president? How can he say that he was forced to? So which raised uh, uh, the question of... Uh, uh, Jovenel's own corruption, uh, who, who's influencing him and, and why, how were they um, able to force him to name 50 corrupt judges? Incidentally, among those judges, uh, actually, he, he wasn't named, he wasn't a, a profile. I'm talking about Judge Brady Fabien. As you know, Brady Fabien has been handling uh, Mr. Moise's uh, money laundering indictment file since before he was uh, inaugurated as president. And this file seems to have um, vanished, at least very dormant, because we have not heard anything else about it since uh, Jovenel was, was uh, sworn in anyway as president.
That's my part on Jovenel's trip to Paris and corruption for 2017. All right, Legacy of 1804, we have time for two more moments. And um, let's let's remember that we don't have to stick to the you know news in Haiti itself. There are news in the world that could be affecting Haiti as well. Oh, absolutely. And Trump is definitely the first that comes to mind. Yes. Um, let me add then after you, we did see um, very feeble but we did see efforts to reform the Democratic Party. Um, that affects Haiti probably more indirectly because I think, you know, U.S. policy towards Haiti is U.S. policy towards Haiti, whoever's in power. But I think it's significant uh, after all the talk we've done on the show in 2017 and 2016 about uh, corruption within the Democratic Party that we did see efforts to... Um, reform, very feeble, but supposed efforts to reform the uh, DNC finances and supposedly to prevent the scenario in which Hillary Clinton took hostage the DNC and uh, essentially gave herself the means to uh, rig the, um, the primary last year. Um, specifically there were, there was, well, there was a lot of talk about, you know, auditing and preventing the, um, the corruption with the DSC finances that we saw, uh, that we've seen up until this point. And then also lots of talk about reforming the superdelegate system. I think those, those two things, we don't know yet how they will affect Haiti per se, but I think those are to, I, I think that those are at least uh, alleged reforms that may or may not signal that the uh, dissidence to the Democratic Party is causing the DNC to at least feel like it needs to make cosmetic changes. But th those changes are very much on the surface, though, um, and we don't even know that they've been implemented yet. But there were hearings in D.C., uh, in the, the, the last quarter of 2017 to at least show an appearance that, you know, the DNC was listening to its detractors. And I'll let you close with the last moment, Ug, and that would be moment well, number eight. Yes, the last moment, of course, would have to be the release or not of the uh, uh, corruption report looking at uh, into the uh, almost $4 billion with a B uh, uh, money of uh, pit, the Petro-Caribe program out of Venezuela out of the report from the Haitian Senate looking to find out um, what exactly happened and the report coming out and naming basically just about every member of the old Martelli cabinet as uh, corrupt and needing to account for both their actions and handling of uh, state funds. Uh, and of course, that report uh, uh, first made the news when uh, uh, Klaus uh, uh, Everwine uh, mysteriously died uh, earlier in the year because, as we know, he was um, scheduled to, to testify 
um, two days later, two days after he, the day he died, he was scheduled to testify in front of the Haitian Senate uh, uh, and to help the investigators understand what happened to the Petrocaribbean Fund because he was in charge of a state agency, FIES, that basically act as a double for every other cabinet uh, um, ministry um, in uh, emergency urgent programs. And he dulled out a lot of state funds. Um, uh, speaking of uh, deaths, we cannot close the segment without uh, uh, um, pointing out some notable deaths uh, in the Haitian community for 2017. I'm thinking of Bulo Valcourt, noted uh, um, musician, uh, uh, who used to play with Caribbean Sextet. My generation knows Bulo because of Caribbean Sextet. Of course, Bulo had a long career um, before and after Caribbean Sextet. Um, also, Mano Chalmai, who came on the scene uh, in the late 70s, had a brilliant career in the 80s, leading to um, Aristide's um, and the Lavalas Party's uh, uh, victory in 1990 him uh, personally being elected mayor of Port-au-Prince, well, we, uh, a move yeah, gone. Um, there's definitely going to be. I'm sorry, I lost you. Are you, there? are you there? I'm here. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, I I don't know what it what what the last thing is that you heard of me, but I was saying that moment number nine should be the fall of of a certain generation, but that first we should we should uh, finish with moment number eight. Hi there. Yes, I'm on the phone. You guys just open your line. Can you hear me? Yes, perfectly. Okay, so unfortunately, uh, both organized lines dropped, which means that um, the, the problem was with Blog Talk Radio, and so we, we apologize for that. So we were, you were finishing up on moment number eight, and moment number eight had been um, the corruption hearings into the FIES, um, well, alleged corruption hearings into into FIES, right? Which around right. which we saw the death of uh, Ebervine. But and then you you kind of segued in, into moment number nine, which had to do with passings of several 
very uh, prominent Haitian baby boomers. I mean, in several, in literature and in music. But I was saying, let's make that moment number nine, those, those passings. I agree with you. We saw so many heads fall in 2017, and it was like in, in rapid succession of each other, which I think Correct. is very significant spiritually and, um, and also generationally. But let's finish. Let's make sure we've exhausted moment number eight first and make, make sure you, you, you said everything you need to say about that. Uh, yes, uh, we said uh, we saw the passing of uh, Evervine, uh, Klaus Evervine, who was a uh, personal friend of uh, President Martelli and uh, headed uh, FIES, a uh, government agency that acted as uh, a, a double, uh, as a fast tracker for several other ministries where uh, FIES would dole out money for emergency projects and things that could show results quickly, as opposed to long drawn out uh, government programs coming out uh, out of specific uh, uh, ministries. Uh, as such, uh, uh, Mr. Ebervine handled uh, a lot of money. He got a re- he got a request for money from uh, uh, many sectors of uh, uh, public life, and uh, he he handled a lot of money from the uh, Petro-Caribbean Fund. So he was expected to testify and explain. Uh, basically, he was expected to say who requested money, who authorized him to send money, and how much money he used to send. And lo and behold, he passed away two days before he was to appear, uh, even though he had left Haiti and had been living in Miami for quite some time. Um, the report did even the 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 the, the report into uh, corruption and specifically what happened to the uh, Petro Caribbean money eventually did come out, and uh, it, that has been big news in Haiti for a while um, prior to Jovenel's trip to to, to France. Uh, where several uh, past uh, government ministers were basically named as uh, people who would eventually uh, 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 who would be recommended to the judiciary to 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 call to account for their um, management of state funds and uh, state programs in general. Um, and uh, lo and behold, um, many. Parliamentarians uh, who are supporters of uh, Jovenel and uh, uh, Martelli uh, before him have basically refused to sign and acknowledge the report. And uh, Jovenel, uh, among uh, the things that he did say to his public in Paris, is that he has the right people in the right places to make sure that this report never sees the light of the day and to eventually lend the report on his desk where he has vowed to let it die. So that's the last we heard of the report. Very good. And let's segue into moment number nine. Um, I'm going to call this um, baby boomer old guard of Haitian uh, literature and and academics and music, Haitian literature and culture. Um, We saw many of those die in rapid succession of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to let you comment on that, and then I'm going to say what I think the consequences of that are going to be into 2018. Yeah. Um, um, in, terms of, in terms of essentially, I think we're going to, well, yeah. But, I mean, let, let's first go into the names, and then um, we had several shows on that, and, and, and your comments. Um, we know certainly that in music, we saw in December alone, we saw... 
Manu Shalmain die within weeks of uh, Boulot Valcourt. And we saw Manu Shalmain, of course, was a very big uh, pro-Aristide, uh, anti-Duvalierist and leftist, um, you know, figurehead. And uh, before him, before those two, we had seen the death uh, mid-year of several men of letters. And I mean, I have a whole show about that that people can go back and listen to where I, I played um, excerpts from a, a meeting. Um, uh, I, I played ex excerpts from a meeting of uh, con contemporaries of those who died. And um, the names, ha you know, included um, uh, Joseph Auberlage. The names mm -hmm. included, um, you know, Joseph Auberlage, Man of Letters, and um, several others in um, Haitian literature and Haitian academia and people who had been instrumental in the institutionalization of Creole in the Haitian university, for example. Um, so let me hear your take ah, on, on, on that development, and then I'll, I'll conclude with my take. Absolutely. And uh, prior to Joseph Wobel-Lauge, uh, uh, um, there was Claude Pierre, who had a brilliant right. academic uh, in writing career in Canada and came back to teach at, again at the State University in Haiti. Uh, in fact, speaking of the State University of Haiti, just today, uh, not to uh, get out of sequence, just today we heard the awful news of the passing of Rachel Dominique. Uh, 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 wow. Rachel Dominique, that's correct. Uh, the, daughter uh, of, uh, yes, the daughter the daughter of Rachel Beauvoir Dominique? The daughter of Max Beauvoir, Rachel Beauvoir wow. Dominique, passed earlier today. She um, wasn't that yeah. old. No, she was very young. That was part of the shock. Con considering that he, her father just basically passed away, when was it, last year or in the middle right. of 2017, yep. uh, earlier in 2017 as well. So, um, yeah, it, it is very, uh, a, a very, very sad time. It's been a very sad year certainly for my generation, because uh, my generation, we grew up with these people as the bright and shining stars, you know, on the hill or, or that we looked up to. And um, as they they seem to, to be going away one after the other in rapid succession, yeah. as you pointed out. It's, and it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating, right? It, well, more like scary, honestly, from, from my perspective. Because yep. uh, 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 looking on, on the scene on the horizon, uh, looking forward, uh, I'm very concerned. I don't, I, I personally, maybe I should, I need to look uh, closer. I don't see who's ready to pick up the mantle and, 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 and offer an alternative or, 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 or put up a good fight or, or show a, a, a different way, uh, uh, any of that stuff. Uh, this generation, uh, um, in spite of its failures, what, um, they are, that generation is credited of doing is keeping Haiti alive in spite of the Duvalier years, because looking back, 60 years of Duvalierism seemed very, design, very much designed to, to, to simply destroy the nation known as Haiti. And so some of these people, have, uh, they've managed to, to keep the culture alive. Max, we're talking about Max Beauvoir, 
uh, 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 European trained uh, chemist, American trained chemist, went back to Haiti and embraced uh, his voodoo culture. Uh, um, and his daughter, uh, again, a, a very well trained anthropologist who could have had a brilliant career anywhere else and chose to go back to Haiti and teach at the university. And today we could hear a lot of uh, testimonies coming from us. Uh, some of her former students, et cetera. So it is that generation of people who seem to be going away. And uh, um, the replacement is not on the ground. The replace, their replacement uh, is not in Haiti. Uh, um, it just seems, I'm sure there are, there are many, many brilliant people living in Haiti, but the, the bulk, the bulk of the Haitian intelligence uh, is very much living overseas. So that's a very worrisome development for 2018 moving forward. Yes, and I'm, I'm going to venture to say that this rapid succession of such pivotal and certainly influential figures of the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years in Haitian Correct. politics, in Haitian literature, in the Haitian diaspora, in Haitian music dying off, I think also means that moving into 2018 and beyond, we're going to see less of this um, less of um, Duvalier, that that Duvalier rift, the pro-Duvalier pro, pro versus anti-Duvalier um, determining one's outlook on Haitian politics. I think that's going to get erased even more than we've seen in the last uh, four or five years. Um, um, we're going to see more. That's, that's my um, prediction on this. It means that, to some degree, the Haitian left, I think, is going to have a... And I think we already saw that happening when uh, Martelli took office. The Haitian mm -hmm. left is going to have to define itself along the lines of something other than... Uh, well, I mean, that, was, that had already started, but this is going to be really, I think, the end of the... We define ourselves as... Uh, a pro or anti-Juvalier, uh, you know, anti-Juvalier being left, pro-Juvalier being right. I think we, I, and I think we saw signs of that dying off, right? Because we saw the son, the grandson of Papadoc rearing his head and um, having essentially an alliance. Uh, and of course, these are not trends that I'm applauding, but I, you know, I'm just uh, trying to read the situation. But we saw a kind of alliance between the the son of the grandson of Papa Doc, um, mm -hmm. which apparently was being pushed by his mother, Michel Duvalier, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, young, uh, you know, 30, 30, 40 something uh, Haitian American elected officials in New York. <laughs> uh, without without too, too much opposition um, or outrage. That is correct. Or, well, um, <laughs> Um, well, Solage on Long Island, I, I, I can Absolutely. say, and the pictures are the pictures on the internet. And not just people. Solage, um, it was Solage, Clyde Vanel. I mean, it was a, it was a slew of them. It was not just Solage, uh, Clyde um, Vanel. I mean, I'm I'm forgetting the names, but they all seem to uh, be perfectly okay with um, essentially doing a uh, a homecoming party for him. Uh, a rehabilitation around, of the name around Haitian. Um, I think it was Haitian Flag Day. Yeah. Correct. Correct. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume, I'm going to play devil's advocate and assume that these are uh, mostly uh, Haitian-American officials who are more American than Haitians. You know, these are their parents' story, history and stories, yeah. and it, 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 they don't have the same outlook. It didn't affect them, so they don't have, they, right. they don't have the same, you know, the, the instinct was not as sharp to look out for maneuvers from the values. And to that end, I'm going to, 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 to give them the benefit of the doubt and said, well, you know, they were used by, by, by unscrupulous people and they didn't know what they were doing. Because um, this Duvalier kid seemed to have popped uh, on the scene uh, at, at the State Assembly in New York, in Albany. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. on the street in Brooklyn. He wasn't meeting with people in you're Miami. You're right. You're right. Yes, it was. It, it, was it, it was a removed. You're right. Actually, that makes. You're right. That is, there was a distance from really the heartbeat yeah. of the Haitian community in both places. True so that. I'm going to assume that was the work of uh, of lobbyists, basically. <laughs> I would think so too. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, I, but I, I uh, would think uh, so too. At the same time, I think these people need to be put on notice that uh, uh, they're being watched in aligning with uh, um, Duvaliers who cause uh, a, 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 a Haitian diaspora to come into being to begin with is not going to be looked at kindly. I think it's very important for them to get that message um, because right. uh, those of but us, those of us but who do grew you see up in my Haiti, point? Do you see my point that as as those who kept that Duvalier watch alive are dying off mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the future, we're going to potentially see less of that. We don't have to. Obviously, there's always people who, who maintain history alive, right? There's a reason why 200 years later, we still maintain the memory of Dessalines alive, for example, right? So it's very possible Correct. that some other younger people may decide to, even though they're now removed two, two generations from Papa Doc, may decide to take up the mantle of keeping the memory of the Duvalier stores alive. I think that that dying off of, of the old guard, it's weird because a lot of people are saying there's nobody to take up their place. But I think that to, to me, what this means into the near future is that we're going to see more younger millennials taking their place. I think they're there. Mm-hmm. We just, these people were, were in the, were, were in those seats because, you know, at the end of those days, those, those things are seats. And so now that those seats are freed up, we're going to see, we, we can look forward to surprises in the, in the mantle of um, Haitian politics being taken up by younger Haitian millennials. By the way, Absolutely. notice that this trend, I mean, these are, this is why I think this last moment is a very spiritual one. Notice, notice that this trend is also paralleled by what happened probably completely, I mean, uh, serendipitously. I don't know. It's kind of like a void is being created because we saw the same thing happen in American media where, you know, in the aftermath of the Harvey Weinstein scandal, we saw, I mean, it wasn't mm. deaths in this case, but we saw all these mainstream old guard media heads fall within weeks of each other. Correct. Correct. So there's Correct. something there Correct. to keep an eye on globally. I mean, if we saw something like this happen in Haiti with these, you know, a series of deaths, I mean, but lots of them, right? And then, okay. uh, and then here, a series of firings of old, old heads of U.S. mainstream media, people like, um, uh, I mean, Charlie Rose, Harvey Weinstein, um, 
And then um, the dude at MSNBC, whose name I forget, Matt Lauer. Matt I mean, Lauer. This is just mm-hmm. just to name three, right? But there were there were at least ten. There there was there was someone at NPR. Um, so there's kind of a void being made now, and I think that this is going to mean millennials taking those spots, or maybe people people like me, Gen Xers, I don't know. But those spots are now up for grabs. So that may mean something in terms of surprises to see in leadership, um, both in the U.S. and in Haiti, in, in, in the next five, ten years. Correct. Um, I just want to point, uh, note quickly that uh, uh, um, contrary to appearances, God is not picking winners and losers in Haiti. He's not picking always just leftists and leaving the Duvalier to live forever. <laughs> that's not the case. No, no, that's, that's true. I mean, Boulevardco was very neutral politically, for example. He was not exactly uh, a leftist. I, I, I could argue against that, but that's okay. Well, you, um, you would say that he was neutral in the other direction? Well, that he was actually, he was certainly not, I, I wouldn't say he was a leftist. Would you? He was, he had, I would say he has his entree in, in, in high places. How about that? Yes, I would say that too. I would say he was more okay. establishment than leftist for sure. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, to that end, I want to also point out that one, Ayen Raymond, uh, a, 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 a luminary of uh, Papa Doc, uh, I don't want to call Papa uh, of uh, Francois Duvalier's uh, uh, era. I know it's bad habit we grew up with, but uh, no, <laughs> right. those words should never come out of my mouth. Um, mm-hmm. Madeleine Raymond, who was uh, Francois Duvalier's um, longtime ambassador and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Minister of Foreign of Minister of Foreign Affairs uh, for a, a long, long time. He served as ambassador in Mexico, in Dominican Republic, uh, I believe at the UN at some point. Um, he died quietly at his villa in uh, in Pichonville in his 90s, uh, older brother to his more flamboyant uh, uh, um, to, uh, uh, sibling, uh, um, Claude Raymond, who passed many years ago um, during Preval's second term, I no, first term. And actually, um, we forgot something very important. Was it in 2017 or in 2016 that uh, Baby Doc himself passed away very quietly? That's correct. 2016. 2016. 2016. Okay, right. 2016, right, when Marcelli couldn't decide whether to give him an official or a national funeral. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think we did very well, Ug, and... Um, I'm hoping to go back and edit out that moment that we had of uh, silence due to Block Talk Radio uh, going down. But thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh, doing this. Next week, again, we're hoping to get a group of people together who've seen the 1804 movie by Tariq Nasheed. That's what we're aiming for next week. Stay tuned to find out more. Um, I'm going to leave you with more music, and I'm going to leave you with the music of the new generation. Paul Bourbon is playing a concert, I believe, on the 12th of January uh, right here in New York. Um, So I'm going to leave you with some Paul Bourbon music. Uh, Again, thank you so much, and Happy New Year, um, Hugues, for uh, joining me. And uh, see everybody next week at the same time and at the same place. Very well. Happy New Year, everyone. Once again, it's a great pleasure being on Legacy of 1804. See you next time. All right. Legacy of 1804 signing out.